Thank you for checking out this episode of Raised on the Radio. If you like what you hear, do us a favor and go to whatever podcast app you use and hit that subscribe button. If you like to watch podcasts, we have a YouTube channel as well. Go check us out there and leave some likes and some comments and get in on the conversation. And while you're at it, give us a like and a share on the socials and tell all your friends about Raised on the Radio. Raised on the Radio has a promo code for one of the best nutrition and supplement companies in the business for you to use. We seriously use a lot of their products. In today's world, it is tough to navigate through the craziness that is the supplement industry. It's also easy to get caught up in the cool labels and promotion instead of really knowing the ingredients in the products and the quality of the product. With True Nutrition, whether you're looking for a custom oatmeal, a multivitamin, a great tasting protein that you can order by the pound, or simply looking for a company you know you can trust to send you the best quality products available, they have you covered. And is if you needed another reason to buy your protein from them, they now have all sorts of these boots that you can add to your protein. I'm actually reading this off of the recent protein tub that I ordered. Caramel Macchiato Whey Protein Isolate Microfiltrated with Probiotic Boost, Super Greens Boost, Multivitamin and Mineral, Essential Amino Acids Boost, and Lion's Mane Mushroom Boost. And it still tastes phenomenal. So go to truenutrition.com, look at all of their great products, place your order, and when you go to make your payment, type in CEPN in the promo code box for 5% off of your entire order. You will not regret it and you'll never have to question the quality of your supplements again. Raised on the Radio's listenership continues to grow with every episode. We are always looking for great sponsorship and collaboration opportunities. If you or anyone you know has a business they are trying to grow and want to jump on board with us, email us at raisedontheradiostl at gmail.com. We would love to connect. If you would like to get a hold of Patrick Blair or myself, you can reach out through email or on the social media. You can reach us at RaisedOnTheRadioSTL at gmail.com or on the Raised on the Radio's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok pages. We also have a new website where you can find all of our content. Head on over to RaisedOnTheRadioSTL.com. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, comments, or topics you would like to get our thoughts on, don't hesitate to reach out. And now we're going to play the latest track from Patrick's project, Rocky Rocky. The song is called Time is Running Out, and it'll lead you into the episode.
Hey, everybody. Thank you for checking out this episode of Raised on the Radio. I am one half of this show. I am Colt Brocato, my good friend Patrick Blair in Zoomland, as usual. As you can see, I'm back in anybody who's been following us, I guess, since I moved into this house. This is where I originally started. Didn't look as cool as it does now and all that good stuff. But now I'm back. I like the sound in here better. I like the vibe in here better. And I think having this backdrop right behind me instead of like a good ways behind me looks better too. What do you think? Look, now I know that we have super fans, <laughs> but I will give someone $100 if they can tell us the exact date that he moved out of that room <laughs> into that house and how long it's been since he's been back in that room. Yeah. So super fans, if you want $100, leave in the comments somewhere, DM us, tell me, tell me how long it's been. Yeah. You understand for a hundred dollars, people will just go back and listen just so they can okay. <laughs> proves they're a super fan. That's true. I'll give That's you that effort. I, I like the dedication. So yeah, I'll, I'll take you, it. I'll give you that. Um, Kobe, Kobe, Kobe behind you. Yes, sir. Still, still rocking the Kobe. Absolutely. I have to, you know, what's? I was just, uh, man, I was just watching or it came up in my feed. You remember when Ari Shafir said all that shit about Kobe? I do. And you remember how like some people were like defending him and some people were kind of joking about it. Mm-hmm. And then some people were like not defending him at all. They're like, yeah. You know what's strange? And I was just thinking about this today because another video came from my. So like, okay. So he had comedians, the community of comedians defend him. And I think like a large majority of the people who were speaking out against him weren't necessarily comedians as much as they were a part of the culture, if you will. Right. Not the comedian, the comedic stand up comedian culture, but the culture outside of that, meaning like urban culture, so on and so forth. So like when Shane Gillis got canceled from SNL, okay, Mm -hmm. or when he got fired from SNL. And then got canceled. I'm using air quotes. And I think even at this point, he uses air quotes when he talks about this. But when he got fired, there were a lot of comedians who didn't speak out on his behalf. Because he said a word that, okay, fine, we're not supposed to say it. But again, in the context in which he did it, okay, I understand why people are upset because the word just makes them, gives them a feeling, right? Right. But he should be able to say it. Well, really freedom of speech says he can say it in any context, but in the context that he was saying it, he should have been able to say it. And there should have been every stand-up comedian on his side being, yeah, yeah, it's fine. We're on your side, dude. You, you were, you're in the middle of a podcast. You were in the middle of a comedic sort of like back and forth with your co-host. You were playing the part of a slumlord, New York who rents to, Asian people. So like, and I don't need to say the word, you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Hopefully everyone listening knows what I'm saying. Anyway. So like not many people, there were a few, but there are a lot of people who threw that dude under the bus. And did you see that he's now the host of the daily show? Oh, really? (laughs) He is taking Trevor Noah's spot. That's crazy. It's crazy because, and I was telling this to my wife the other night, and that and that's not totally my point, so don't let me forget where I was going. Oh, you know how I like to, you know how I like to do. But <laughs> so, like, but I was telling my wife the other night, um, we were laying in bed, and I guess it was maybe Trevor Noah's last show, and I don't like that guy. I don't think he's funny. Yeah, I don't. But it came on. 
we probably had Comedy Central on because the office is on a loop and it just I'd fall asleep to the office. So like, but I didn't fall asleep this time. And that show came on. We were both awake. And I said, oh, you know, who's replacing him is that one guy. And I started explaining. She's like, oh, wow, that's cool. Good for him. And then I started explaining the whole cancellation thing. And, you know, again, people kind of coming to his like coming to his aid, but then not. But I find it interesting that he's going to be the host of that show because he doesn't lean a certain way. Yeah. Now, I think his audience leans a certain way. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. But I don't think he does. He's very much in the middle and he's but also he's never really serious about his politics. It's very much like there's never a point where he like goes on a rant and it's not meant to be comedic. Whereas you have a, a guy like, say, Dave Smith, for instance, who I'll be honest with you. I don't know if he's a stand up comedian anymore. Are you a comedian anymore? Because it seems to me like you're <laughs> just you want to run for office, which is cool. Do your thing. Yeah. But like Shane Gillis is, you know, he tends to talk about political things sometimes. But when he does, the intent is always to be funny. It's never about uh, swaying the opinion in a certain way or whatever. So I wonder. So I find it very interesting that he's going to be the person to take over that show because if you think about who's hosted that show, very much leaning to the left. Yeah. So I, I wonder, you know, when you think about hosts that have been doing that job for so long, at, you know, one after the other, in today's culture, I wonder if maybe The Daily Show is looking for a different route to go. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe they're trying to lean towards the middle in, in yeah, instead I mean, of just the left, you know? Yeah, well, I, I, you know, I think they should. I think everyone should. Yeah. To be honest with you, we'd all get along. A I mean, bit yeah, for sure. And we wouldn't have to worry about cancel culture. We wouldn't have to worry about being woke because we would all go, oh, wait, you see it this way. I see it that way. There's a middle ground that we haven't yet discussed right. or walked on yet. But I don't know. That's interesting that you say that because I doubt it. I doubt that's, I doubt that's what they want. Yeah. And my biggest fear is that they're going to, well, he's going to have writers. It's going to be like every other talk show. Let me guess, like let me guess your, your, fe your fear is they're going to try to push him to the left and it's not going to work uh, out. I just think they're not going to let him be him. And then, yes, I, it's not going to work out. But, you know, it's kind of, it's got to be kind of what you sign up for too, right? I mean, he's got to, he's got to know, he's got to take that gig. That's yeah. a huge gig. Right. But, but like he's got, he's got to know, Hey, this is how this show has been for how long now? Like they, they're going to, they're going to push me in, in this direction. They have to, you know, just like the whole Joe yeah, yeah. Rogan and Spotify thing. He knew what he was getting into when he signed on with Spotify, but Hey, look at the money. I think for the most part though, I think in the beginning they pulled some episodes, but I think since then he's had pretty much had free reign to do what he wants. And when was the last time you heard anything about him? Like in that whole situation? Or I mean, I ev ev everything. I mean, right. It just went, it just completely went away. It, we went from, I mean, how many months ago was that? Maybe five. Were you talking about him like being in the news about the whole vaccine thing and all that shit? Well, yeah, that too. But also the, um, the whole, like him using the N word back in the day and all that stuff where people were jumping on the bandwagon on him on that. Uh, oh yeah, I forgot about that. You know, like all that was all at once, kinda, and then he just, yeah. I mean, he kind of got ahead of it, and then now we're not even talking about it anymore. 
Yeah, I think he's a very special kind of case, though, because he had the support of the Spotify CEO and all that bullshit. Um, much like Ch- Chappelle had the support of Netflix when he was catching all that shit. So, right. Um, with Shane Gillis, I, I, I don't know. I mean, he's going to have writers. I don't know if they're necessarily going to try to push him left. I just think they're going to have a specific way of doing things like they always have. Right. And he went on the Flagrant 2 podcast last week, this week, this week. And he didn't really talk about much about like his agenda. He was just kind of like happy to be doing it. It's going to be cool. I'm, I'm excited to like see what happens and which I'm sure it's so new. And I don't think Trevor Noah had done his last show yet. So you kind of, tread lightly as far as how you speak about it but like very interesting so my whole point so anyway he's new host of the daily show which is huge thinking he, about where he was is he, is he the other three one years ago is he the other guy that does that other podcast with rogan him and uh, is it him and ari the forester him and ari Shafir and mark norman yeah okay that's what i thought all right protect our parks that's it they yeah. just get shit-faced and stoned and yeah by the end of it one of them pukes it's just so do you think he stops anyway. doing that when he's doing the daily show, that's kind of an odd look also, right? Cause, cause you go know. for You go from the daily show and no matter what your agenda is or what your politics are or how you come across, if you go back on Rogan and you do that show and just be yourself, like that seems like controversy could hit hard really fast. Well, I definitely don't think he's going to be getting shit faced on the internet as freely as he does <laughs> now. No. Yeah. But also, it hasn't been that long since he did, so I could also see how people well, could jump on that. But well, I'm sure he's been vetted by Comedy Central and Viacom, which is who owns Comedy Central. Yeah. Which again, so like to what you said, it's a very, it's not about the Daily Show, it's about who owns Comedy Central. This is a very woke, left-leaning company anyway. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. But so, again... My first point was not many people took his side, like not many comedians publicly came out on his behalf or in his defense, which I thought was kind of fucked up. But now, have you seen what's going on with Brendan Schaub and Joe Rogan? No. Did I miss it? I think so. So when UFC 279 happened, Brendan Schaub had this whole conspiracy theory about how the UFC told Hamzat to miss weight so they could shift around the card because the pay-per-view was trending poorly and they weren't going to sell as many pay-per-views. So now that, that so was, UFC, that was, that was also part of the back and forth between him and Dana too, right? Cause Dana correct. basically said, you're an idiot. If you think that we would actually do something like that. Correct. So when that went down, you know, Dana said that, and, and Dana didn't even call him an idiot. Dana thought Dana was talking about someone else. He thought Pat Militich said all that, which Pat Militich ended up, he did say it, <laughs> but someone at the press conference Dana was at was like, no, it was Brendan Schaub. And he goes, oh, well, that makes sense. That's all he said. And yeah. it got a response out of the room. And so Brendan Schaub responded with this Instagram post calling him like, a budget version of Vince McMahon. And yeah, I did see that. He's got a poor vocabulary. So like that, that whole back and forth happens. And then Joe Rogan does a podcast with Will Harris. And he basically says, Brendan Schaub needs a handler. Right. Rogan said that, or said that about Schaub. Yeah. Okay. Basically he's like, he needs someone like me to be like, no, 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 don't, don't say that. 
don't don't do that. And Schaub responded yesterday or a day, two days ago. Uh, he didn't he didn't dig too deep into the fact that Rogan was the one that said it and that it was directed at him. But he was like, if anyone needs handlers, it's Dana White, and Mark Zuckerberg and this whole thing. So my whole point of bringing that up is Brennan Schaub for the last year has been a highly attacked person on the internet. For sure. I mean, my feed is nothing but Brendan Schaub spoof videos, like hit parody video. I mean, just, and so as I watch this unfold, not many comedians have come out in his defense on anything. I think the biggest the biggest thing that happened was he accused Bobby Lee and the rest of his podcast of this whole Reddit conspiracy to, you know, terror Brendan down. We're like, they were doing for six years. We're terrorizing him on Reddit. And it's come out recently that perhaps there might've been some truth to that, but I'm not even going to get into that. But so like that, that happened. And like many people were like, dude, you're an idiot. Like no one. So like, my point of this is like he's done all of these things and, and he does put his own foot in his own mouth. He says dumb things. I understand. But you would think, especially in LA, where all these guys seem to be this like tight community of, of just, you know, all in their feelings type of guys. You know, really the only person I've seen come to his defense on anything is Bert Kreischer. And you know how I feel about Bert. Yeah. I just I wonder if he's not really like in the in crowd as far as comedians go in LA or, or Austin that's, that's or, interesting or, or wherever. And, and also if we go, if we go back to many episodes ago when we were talking about like the whole Brian Callen thing going on and you said multiple times, you don't think that Brian Callen and Brennan Schaub really even got along very well. And if that is true, I could see that, you know, you would think Brian Callen would at least come to his defense, but also maybe because of all the stuff that he got, he got backlash for. Maybe he can't really come. Why out. does that matter? Just because if, if he comes out and he tries to take the side of Brendan Schaub, people are just going to start attacking everything that Brian Callen just went, or went through not too long ago. Not that it even t- should tie together, but you know, they would. And it would just put his face back out there when that stuff should be over with by now. And he would be just looking to be attacked again. But, you know, you're talking about um, comedians not coming to other comedians' side when this stuff happens. Let me stop you. Go ahead. As comedians, not as people. Yeah. As comedians. Yeah. So when it comes to being able to say what you want, uh, in the context of trying to be funny or when it comes to being able to say what you want in the context of trying to be shocking or controversial, everyone within that occupation should really be on everyone's side when it comes to that. They shouldn't want anyone to be silenced. They shouldn't want anyone to, you know, be thrown under the microscope in a way to where it kind of limits what that person can do professionally. And I'm not saying that's what anyone's doing with Brendan Schaub. 
the hate is the hate. I mean, he, yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. He does it to himself. He does it to himself. At this point, you think he's doing a lot of it on purpose? But he should. And I don't think he does. I think he's very much a sensitive guy. And I don't know that he can handle all of the backlash and all of the criticism. And So maybe he just is who know, he is and he's leaning into that. And that is what he should lean so into the fact that, yeah, I'm a big dumb oaf. <laughs> I might have brain damage, but I'm still trying to be funny. Yeah. And I think people would leave him alone, but yeah. he doesn't know how to do that. And the saddest part is, is he's got a meal ticket being friends with who he's friends with. Yeah. And I think up to this point, it's worked for him. Okay. But as it started work and you can see this, like, and unfortunately, like I'm so dialed into not only those shows, but also the shows that talk about it, talk about him specifically. And I'm not going to call them haters anymore. I think at this point, and I never really did necessarily, but like they're analyzing the content, man. We all do it. Like I said, we all do it. That's what the internet is. That's what podcasting is. No one is above it. Rogan does it. Yeah. You know, Tom Segura does it. Mark Marin does it. Everyone analyzes what's going on around them. It's just the way that it's the way it works. So like, I'm so tapped into all of that. And what you really saw was a change in his attitude where he was like, I'm just the new guy. I don't deserve any of this too. I'm very arrogant. You know, I deserve this. I deserve that. I'm going to flex on this. I'm going to flex on that. And it's just at the end of the day, it's just kind of cringe. And it's like, but dude, just lean into the fact that, you know, if people call you stupid or people call you unfunny or people call you gay because you wear jeans too tight, lean into it. Don't be butthurt by it. Right. You know, but he's it's hard to do. And, and, you know, he's, I don't know, I guess, I guess he's like really sensitive with a major ego. Like he, you know. Which is the worst kind. Yeah. Everything that he's done in, you know, from college football to MMA to everything requ- almost requires that kind of an ego. And he does just, it though. I mean, for, for a lot of people, I'm sure it does. Does it for funny guys? Yeah, but he wasn't a funny guy until. But I thought this was his lifelong dream. I thought it's what he wanted to do since he was a little boy. He wanted to be a a comedian. I don't believe that. I think Rogan told him enough times that he thinks he's funny enough that he should get on stage. And then he did it and he enjoyed it. And now he is where he is from that. That's my guess. But anyway, so what we're. When we're talking about comedians coming to other, other comedians aids over stuff, I was thinking about. Like the whole Chris Rock's the the slap. How many yeah. did you do you did you see very many comedians come out and talk about that? I mean, this is the other side of the spectrum of comedy. Like this is you know what I'm saying? Like it's the other side. Like if you were to split like for me, like if I were to split um comedy down the middle, I would have like Chris Rock and David Spade and Rob Schneider and those guys on one side, and then you have your Rogan and your Shab and Callen and explain that. I don't know, like if I if I'm just those first three you said, why would you put them on one side together? I don't know. I guess I guess maybe just the the crew or the clique that normally ha- would hang out together. I oh, guess okay. I guess I guess uh, that's why that, I'm fair, why fair I'm enough. why I'm doing that. And then your other side, like I said, would be Rogan and Callen and Dalia and Shab and all those guys, but. 
even like, you know, David Spade is really good friends with Chris Rock. And I listen to, I've been listening to uh, the Fly on the Wall podcast. Have you ever listened to that? What's that? It's David Spade and Dana Carvey. And it, they have okay. a lot, they have a lot of people on the show that were on SNL and, you know, they, and they talk like really good guests. I, I enjoy the show. But anyways, I was listening to an episode the other day that ha- uh, was put out right after the slap happened. And David Spade did a little thing at the beginning of it, but it was like a minute long. And that's, yeah. I think, all he said about that whole thing happening. Well, I think that's all he should say. I don't, I don't know if comedians should spend that much time on that. And here's why. Will Smith is a giant star. Will Smith is not a hater or a troll or someone with an opinion on the internet. So there's a huge difference. So mm-hmm. like what I mean by that is Will Smith is going to get a good, he's going to get away with a lot. So I understand that when that happened, a lot of comedians and a lot of performers were like, Hey, this is a very bad time where people can just run on stage and smack you for something they don't like that you said or did, or I don't think that's what happened. And you and I have already talked about this. I don't think that's what happened. I think it was a long, it was a, it was a long boiling thing that finally spilled over. I don't think it was, I don't think it was spontaneous by any means on Will Smith's part. And I think that it was something that was just bound to happen eventually. If the, if the moment presented it or if the, if the opportunity was there. So yeah, I don't know if you should spend more time on that. Okay. You know? Yeah, I get it. What I do think comedians should spend more time on is a guy like Shane Gillis getting fired from a major show like Saturday Night Live. Yeah. For something that he said on a throwaway podcast two years before he ever got hired to the show, and it was taken out of context. And that's the other thing. Like The people that were reporting it never spoke of the context. And I said this the whole time with, with the Rogan thing, with the N-word. Like, you and I have listened to Rogan long enough to know that when he says that word, he's never saying it maliciously or directed at another person. It's always in the context of conversation, yeah. meaning someone said it, or in this period of time, it was said, but it's never him saying it directed at anyone. Right. Now, I understand that in 2022, even that doesn't matter to most people. Yeah. And I, we both said that on the, pack, the podcast when we talked about it. Fine. But no one discussed the context because they were afraid to. Well, now, yeah, because it makes, their, it makes their argument uh, not legitimate anymore. Well, stand-up comedians should be able to. Not, and, and, you know, not stand-up comedians. I'm sorry. Performers. Artists, people who put themselves out there for other people to criticize mm-hmm. should be able to speak on behalf of behalf of other artists and say, no, it was okay. Because it was all a part of the art. Right? Mm-hmm. But no one's doing that for Brendan Schaub, ever. It's just, he's a big dummy. He should just shut up. I mean, one of his closest friends said he should just shut up. Yeah. Now look, 
is this theory about UFC 279 dumb? No, it's not dumb. It's not dumb. Is it irrational? Maybe. Should it have been said out loud? (laughs) As seriously and defensively as he did? Probably not. However, his feud with Dana White keeps him in the spotlight with the MMA community. Well, not only that, I mean, Dana White, honestly, Dana White's TMZ material, dude. When Dana White is in the news, Dana White is in all of the news. It's not just MMA news. It's not just sports news. I mean, he's Dana White is, is bigger than sports, in a sense. So why? Dana White is so, not so, Roger Goodell. Dana White is not Rob Manfred. Like, he's big so, time. Okay. But is is it because he has the ego as well? Why yes. he can't yes. just not say anything about the about Brennan Schaub? Well, dude, look, I'll put it to you this way: if I were a former aerobics instructor making twenty two thousand dollars a year. And now I was worth a billion dollars. I'd have an ego too. Most people would. Yeah. And I'm not saying he shouldn't. I'm just saying that I'm wondering why like this beef with Shab does nothing for him. So it's gotta, he's not, he's, he's done with it. Shab's the one that keeps bringing it up. Yeah. Dana White's never going to respond to that. He's only going to get respond if asked in the appropriate setting, such as a UFC press conference like that. But, he could also he knows how to maneuver in those uh those press junkets. He could also just say I don't I don't have anything to say about Brennan Shop and then move on to the next I, question. I want to I want you to back up. I want you to say press junket again. <laughs> Why do you not like do that? It. Say, do it. Do again. you not like the again. term press junket? Do it again. Why? Do it again. What do you just do it again press, for me? For pre- me please. For you me. You want please. me to say the words press I junket? I swear this is not a bad thing. Press junket. What? Why are you clapping? For, I, I appreciate I, you. I'm I appreciate so you for knowing that word and using it correctly. Go on. I was just trying to give you a compliment. That's all. I, I had to really fight for it. Because <laughs> you wouldn't just say it again. <laughs> I didn't know what you wanted um, from me. But anyways, there's you always no... always think I'm so malicious. <laughs> there's no reason why he couldn't, you know, if there, he's asked a question about Brennan Schaub. Brennan Schaub has nothing to do with the UFC anymore. So he, well, sh- he should easily... Well, just because of the man. podcast and the... I mean, I mean, he has an MMA show. He, yeah, I mean, he does, but he doesn't. I mean, but but look, not not technically connected. He's not a major figurehead, and not connected he's not to Don, the UFC. Cruz. He's not Paul Felder. He's not Michael Bisbing. He's none of those guys. He's not even the schmo, <laughs> which should be an insult to Brendan. <laughs> he should really step up his game. But I just find it interesting. That's all. That. uh you know, you think about like, well, why is no one coming to this guy's defense at all? It's it's probably because of the ego, the attitude, and just the overall lack of self-awareness when it comes to like, hey man, you do all you do all this to yourself. Yeah. And this is what people on the internet look for. So kind of like I 
Go ahead. What? No, go. I was gonna I was gonna shift the conversation and say kind of like Kanye at the moment, but if you have any more on that topic, let's go ahead and uh, finish that up for Kanye. Kanyezzle. Kanye. I don't have anything more on Ye. Brain, Ye. Ye. Um, do you see? Do you see anybody coming to Kanye's defense right now? Well, he's going on Tucker Carlson tonight. Yeah. Probably like in an hour or so. Okay. I'm sure he'll be on his side because God knows that bow tie wearing fuck thinks white lives matter. But let me ask you this. If you were on the street, if you had a show or at a restaurant or bar and you saw anyone forget about who the color of their skin, if you saw anyone wearing a shirt that said white lives matter, what would your reaction be? Distasteful. <laughs> I guess it would be the first thing that would cross my mind. I, I don't. I, Can I, don't, I tell you what I, mine would be? I don't know. Are you asking me, like, do I find it insulting? It can't be insulting. Right. So that's why I was curious. Um, not to you. Yeah. It can be insulting, but not to you and I. So, okay. So a a black person wearing a White Lives Matter shirt or a white person wearing a Black Lives Matter shirt can you compare the two or not? Say it again. Say it again. You say a black person wearing a white lives matter shirt or a okay. white person wearing a black lives matter shirt. Can you compare the two or are they two completely different things? Two completely different things. Okay. Give me yeah. your reason why. Well, for one, the people, the, the folks who are wearing that shirt, we're a part of a fashion show. That's true. So I don't think they wanted to say no to anything. That's I true. felt like they were cornered into wearing that bullshit. Okay. So, and you said a white person wearing a Black Lives Matter shirt? Yes. Is that different than a black person wearing a White Lives Matter shirt? Yeah, 1,000%. Yeah. Okay, okay, so what do you think? Because the idea, because the idea, Idea of one means a hell of a a hell of a lot more That's than true. the other. That's true. But I mean, what do you think Kanye's thought process is on this? Nothing. Kanye loves Kanye. That's what the thought process was. But and that, that's my whole point. But that doesn't really make sense though. Why why? Yeah, it does. Why okay. why does Kanye loving Kanye Kanye? What's that got to do with him wearing a white lives matter shirt? Because it causes controversy and it's a gimmick. But should this it? entire should it well, cause controversy? I, I don't know. I don't no, know. No, but unfortunately, we are where we are. Okay. All right. In other words, That's this it. is. In other words, this is actually a smart move on his part. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to mark. He knows it's the very, marketing game. Yeah. It's a very calculated thing that he's done. Mm -hmm. His entire career has been based on gimmicks and or controversy. So, like, when I have somebody talk to me about hip hop and they go, "Yeah, Kanye's one of the goats," and I'm just like, eh, that, "I'm not for me." Because he's had to use gimmicks and or controversy to get ahead of the game. It's never been about, and I understand Jay-Z talks about, oh, I can't believe you're such a dope rapper, this and that. But look, when it comes to his career and being who he is in music, he's always had that, had to use gimmicks. And he's had to use controversy and he's had to use the overall, you know, shock factor based on some dumb thing that he did. And it's not shock factor in the same way that Marilyn Manson was shocking. 
or that nine inch nails was shocking or I can go on and on. So like this should be no different. And it's not to me. It's not different to me. I mean, this is what, this is what he does. My biggest, my biggest thing is like the, the, the problem that I have with it is that further divides us as people. Because now you have the Black Lives Matter movement speaking out against this idea. And then you have the white people going, why is it such a big deal? Don't white lives matter? Right. You know? Yeah. More division, and, and also more, more it, bullshit. And also the reason why the Black Lives Matter movement started. I mean, wasn't very long ago. It wasn't. And, and we don't need to get into this. And I've said this a couple of times on this, this show, but like. I'm not a fan of the organization. I'm a fan of the idea right. and the movement. Yeah. You know, I'm not a fan of the people who started the organization. I'm not a fan of what they've done with the organization. I won't get into it. But I'm a fan of the, I, well, not a fan. I, I support the idea and the movement because duh. And I don't know how much, I, I don't know how, I don't know if I can be any clearer on that. Duh. Of course they do. Of course, black lives matter. Right. I'm not going to say, of course, white lives matter. You know why? Because I'm white. And it's been made very clear to me for all the years of my life that I matter. I've been very privileged and I've had a <laughs> had the red carpet rolled out for me, dude. Yeah. I'm not trying to be funny either. I know this is an old joke that many comedians have told and I'm not trying to be. Uh, I'm really not trying to be funny. I'm being real. Right. Like, I get it. I have not experienced and, and you know, growing up where I grew up and having friends of all races and backgrounds and whatever the fucking you want to say, I've been around those people and, and I've seen them experience it. I've seen them live it. I haven't had to live it in the same way. And I've been right there, I've been right beside them. Right. You know? Yeah. So no, I don't support white lives matter it's dumb it's it, it, it's but i'll put it to you this way too an educated person would 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 look at the whole idea of any any specific group matters and go well of course now let's think of something else what else can we say what other what other progressive type movement what forward thinking idea do we have now now that we have acknowledged that you matter, you matter, I matter, they matter, he matters, she matters. We all matter. Now what do we do? Because keeping it to one or two or three or four individual groups working for themselves, we don't go anywhere. We don't do anything. Right. Which is why it's like, look at, for, look at this situation for what it is. It's Kanye being and loving Kanye. That's all it is. Yeah, but... Um, it's not a statement of anything. See, in, in you saying that makes sense to me because maybe it's not a statement of anything. It's literally, and you said this a while ago too about the shock factor. It's literally the shock factor of seeing the words White Lives Matter on a t-shirt. Yeah. Like, it's 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 just the shock factor. That, that makes sense. Maybe there's literally nothing to it. He just wanted you know it just puts them in the news but i, I something I, something i thought was interesting um 
So I guess he had a deal with Gap and he had a deal with Adidas. And I think Adidas has said that his um, his connection with them is under review right now or something like that. Is Adidas who makes Yeezys or is that his own thing? No, that's a, those are Adidas. They are Adidas. How much do those cost? Way too much money because they're dog shit sneakers. Right. But he, he made a comment about his connection with Gap and said that uh, they... They have like two hundred dollars shirts, and he's he he wants nothing to do with their two hundred dollars shirts. I'm like, dude, you're you have Yeezys that people but pay way too a, much for. He he has his own line at Gap, I thought. Okay, I don't know. That's just what I read in an article. So, hold on. I swear he has his own clothing line at Gap because they were really terrible. It was terrible. Well, I know in the article I read said that he was working on ending his relationship with Gap. Oh, yeah. They ended their partnership. Okay. Yeah. That was three weeks ago. Boo-hoo. The <laughs> fuck shops at Gap? <laughs> Who still shops at Gap? I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know where a Gap is. I'm like, not- I don't know if the mall that I have has a gap. I don't know if it does either. I wouldn't even know. So maybe maybe, it's a thing. maybe, Ka- maybe Kanye was keeping Gap alive. He didn't do a very good job. <laughs> so to conclude this, he, you know, I, when I saw that story, I immediately went, well, look who we're talking about. Look who we're talking about. Yeah. Again, his entire career has been fueled by gimmicks and controversy and being in the news and being, to his credit, he admits it, a douchebag. That's it. So, you know, and he got what he wanted out of it. Like I said, you know, how you have these uh, Black Lives Matter leaders speaking out against it and kind of like rallying the troops, if you will, uh, to you know, educate him on the whole idea. And it's like, he doesn't need, and I know he had the whole thing where he said like slavery wasn't real. Again, something he said to be controversial. He doesn't believe these things. Yeah. He doesn't. Which is why I've never liked the guy. I've never bought into his bullshit. I still think he's a little out of his mind though. 1000%. Yeah. I I think uh, mentally ill. His, his split with, with uh, Kim, like really, he was did a number. Not that he, a, w- <laughs> he was on a trajectory. He was on a path. He, he was on a path to Candyland long before that, dude. Trust me. He's mentally ill. Yeah. And I'm not saying that to be insulting. Yeah. Like it's out of concern. Like someone grab your dude and get him some help. Yeah. He's mentally ill. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. I can't wait to see this Tucker interview. And I'd never, I've never said that about anything ever i probably never will again (laughs) i never no. the one time i did it was when john stewart was on oh way back in the day way back in the day and he called him a dick (laughs) other than that never i I don't like the fucking no reason to watch the guy but i'll be i'll be curious to see what this moron goes on there and says and he is a moron that's what other people need like people need to understand that as well he's a moron he's not an intelligent guy yeah he's smart at the marketing he knows what he's doing He's not an articulate guy. He's not a smart guy. He's also probably got a marketing team around him that's 
He's a dummy who has people telling him what to do. Yeah. When you're worth that kind of money, you have people influencing your decision-making process and leaning you in the direction that will eventually lead to more money, which is what this does. So I know you you say you, you've never liked his music or anything like that or really ever been a fan um, because of the gimmicks and stuff like that. Did you like the first album that he was the college dropout? I think was the first album that he put out. No, I'm just curious if you'd like that. And the reason why I said it is because that's before, I think before he started making a name for himself with gimmicks and things like that. Um, I mean, you could argue that sure, but I think his gimmick back then was like sort of nerdy backpack. I don't have to be, street i don't have to talk about this i don't have to talk about that that's very basic but that's the way he was well didn't that come out didn't that record come out like after he had a really bad car wreck that he almost died in i want to say the car wreck was after the record was out uh i don't no, i don't think be right. so because i had be right. that song through the wire on it yeah, which was right. talking right. about right. that yeah. yeah no you're right yep yep now he may have had but another I thought he had a record before that's what that. i was gonna say again, he maybe he, this is maybe he did this shows you that I'm not a fan because I honestly have no fucking idea. Honestly. Uh-oh. This I have to read to you. Breaking Ahmaud news. Arbery's mother says Kanye West's White Lives Matter shirt helps to legitimize extremist behavior. Hmm. So there's that. Arbery, 25, was killed in February 2020 when he went for a jog in Georgia and was chased down by three white neighbors and shot. Arbery's family said the shirt was especially offensive because he privately supported the family after Arbery's murder in the racially motivated attack. This mockery of the Black Lives Matter movement and his now denunciation of the movement as some sort of hoax flies directly in the face of what he said, the family stated. It's confusing for her. It's confusing for the families to receive his support privately but publicly set us all back. I mean, I can't argue that necessarily. Right. So but, what were we talking about before I, before I read that we were talking about something else. Uh, Shit. The college, the, if that f- record college job, Oh yeah, I was looking that up. One Sorry. That he put God up or not. damn, dude. My brain is just <laughs> mashed potatoes at this point. Well, let me see. Kanye West discography college dropout 2004 late registration 2005 graduation 2007 808s and heartbreak so I would say that isn't 808s and heartbreak really the one that just blew blew him up just like it's over he's he's the dude now I'm not right? sh- I'm not sure I don't even know what was on that I'll tell you uh heartless okay amazing heartless amazing um what's the other single was that were those the only two welcome to heartbreak with kid cuddy yeah that's a big record it's a big record anyway well let's uh let's stay in the the vein of music and it's a topic that we've been talking about for Several weeks talking about backing tracks for bands and things like that. So let's talk about the story with Ronnie Radke and this trunk guy. Trunk, right? That was his last name. Who is Trunk? You don't know who that is. 
No, I, I the name sounds familiar, but I, so he's a radio personality. Yeah, I mean, he's been, you know, one of the bigger over the last, honestly, fucking two decades. He's been one of the one of the bigger faces of heavy metal and, and, and hard rock just being like in his, he's a historian of the genre. And, you know, he had a show on VH one with, it was him and Jim Florentine. And I can't remember, remember the other guy's name. It was pretty popular. And so, yeah, I mean, he's a guy who has been very much in the, I mean, he, well, you're right. He's a radio personality, but I think his claim to fame was really being, a music historian and really knowing about honestly, like everything metal and hard rock, obscure shit, popular shit, everything he's known about it. So anyway, you were saying, so, uh, I mean, the, the story is basically about him calling out Ronnie Radke, uh, for them canceling a show because they had their laptops stolen, which meant they couldn't use, they didn't have their backing tracks. And he was basically calling them out and saying that bands are so reliant on tracks now that they actually have to cancel a show because they don't have their laptops. Yeah. So what's your thoughts on that? Well, I think there are two things to two things to consider here. The first thing is this. I think it's hilarious <laughs> that they canceled their show. And I'm not being a hater. I just think it's hilarious. You're kind of being a hater. If it you, were don't, me, you don't like Radke anyways. No, he's he's won me over a little bit recently. Hmm. And that band has some good songs. So I'm not, no, no, I'm not, I, I swear. I've, I just think it's funny because that guy, if anybody will stand behind that decision and he won't take shit from anyone. Whereas I feel there, there are a lot of bands who would have made that decision and then regretted it. I don't think he's ever going to, he doesn't care. He has no shame. I mean, it doesn't. So there, it, that's it. Doesn't necessarily change anything. Like for them, do I don't think. Like I don't think they lose fans because oh, of it. Well, no. And I think. Well, he, and I think for you know him to just come out and say, "Listen, this is like, like I'm not. We're not the only band that does this. Like a lot of bands rely a lot on tracks, right. and, and this isn't a new thing." So the fact that you're you're uh, downing us for this is ridiculous. Well, so that's 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 my whole point. So like, what you're seeing here, and this is really the main point. It being funny is just funny to me because I think it takes balls to be like, yeah, I can't play. We don't have our laptops. It just it's it sounds funny to me. I mean, it's kind of crazy, right? Though, like. To, to cancel an entire show. I mean, I think it's crazier to not have like a backup plan. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, unless. I mean, for me, that's that's really where. It, I mean. Because th- does that show that the band can't do it? I mean, it shows you that they can't do it. Or is it just because of the, the, the set list that they were going to do relies so much on it? That's why they had to cancel the show. I wonder because you would think they would still be able to pull out a performance. Oh, they could still play, but I think you would see, see and hear a lot of flaws because they're so much in repetition with what they had rehearsed. Right. Based on what they had. Right. 
so the, the main point of this is what we're seeing here is a generational thing. We're seeing a guy who didn't come from that era, not understanding the new era. Um, is he qualified to speak out on it? Maybe. Maybe. Now, I don't know Eddie Trunk to have ever been in a band or create any type of music. So I always say to those folks, like, mm, maybe shut the fuck up. <laughs> but, but he has a very solid reputation in the, in, you know, in the hard rock community and, and, and amongst those folks. But he comes from a different time. Yeah. He's 58 years old. He, he doesn't understand what type of show or what type of aesthetically speaking, what type of music falling in reverse is. Now he can listen to it on record and he can get it and he can go, yeah, I like this. But them doing it live is a completely different story. So I think what we're seeing here is a generational thing and, and it's to be expected to be expected. But he picked the wrong guy to fuck with. Cause Ronnie Racky's going to fire back until his fucking head explodes. <laughs> like he's not, he's not going to be, he's not going to be nice about it. Yeah. If you talk shit on that guy, he's going to fire back. So. And is that, that why he's kind of won you over? Or are you just talking about that, uh, that, interview that he did backstage with uh no i think that one interview really showed me something and i don't know if i caught like the right day or but it, i was really impressed with the way he handled a truly truly shitty not total interview but interview on one person's behalf yeah i kind of want us to pull that up because i know we talked about it before but like for me you know when you're, when you're an artist, you get asked really dumb questions and you expect them and you go, Oh, I just answer it. I'll be polite and I'll answer it and to the best of my ability. But then you get asked a dumb question with a really condescending tone behind it. Mm -hmm. And that's what really irks you. Yeah. And I noticed it when he was asked this question and dude, if it was me, if I was in that chair being asked that question by that person who I don't like. Because I feel like he does it a lot. Fucking rock guy. He's a, fuck, he's a poser. <laughs> so if I got asked a question by a poser in such a condescending sort of fucking cornball type of way, I would, I would have reacted differently than Ronnie Racky did. But Ronnie Racky kept his cool and just kind of went with the flow. Yeah. And I was totally shocked. So this is what we're talking about. So Ronnie Racky gets interviewed at incarceration. Happened recently. The dude there with the gray hair, one of my least favorite people in rock and roll, just gives him a compliment, okay? Mm -hmm. Just basically calls him a good dude. What this guy says after that is so incredibly patronizing and condescending and sarcastic and just overall just goofball. Like, it's like, what are you even saying, dude? Is it, it, Play it, play it. It's right. it's mind blowing. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have, but you can watch watch Ronnie Racky's face when this happens. Go ahead. Boarding bands that are kicking ass and doing cool shit, and I love it that you guys are representing a heavy side of things, but also bringing a different fan base 
yeah. to the music and it, wow. you yeah. know, they get into falling in reverse and then next thing they know you know they're slaughtering animals listening to the fucking Slayer you know what I'm saying so I see the projection as that I see you guys as a gateway to our music and that's a beautiful yeah. thing that you I are never thought about the like that well, you guys are totally that. a fucking gateway drug I mean there's a lot of people that are getting into your music for years since they were little kids and they grow up to get into heavier shit yeah. and maybe even be in bands themselves Ryan Rex is so like yeah just stop really talking thing yeah. please in reverse is that is that premier band yeah. that's helping to do that so we were I did uh, oh my Escape God. the Fate yeah. and I, Situation I, I when I first saw that it made me laugh and cringe so hard because I've been in that situation, not on not on the high level that this interview is, uh -huh. but you just go, yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. That's all you can say. That's all you can say. But I've never had someone say anything as idiotic as that to me. <laughs> You're the gateway to people slaughtering animals and listening to Slayer. What the fuck are you even talking about, dude? <laughs> When was the last what time? Brain when, dead. when was the last time you slaughtered something while you were listening to Slayer? Oh, five minutes before we started our show. <laughs> Fucking idiot. <sighs> that situation right there, the way that Ronnie Racky handled that, because you could tell he was like, "What the fuck?" You could see it in their reactions, like, "Yeah, dude, totally." Like, yeah, people don't take us seriously, but once they go slaughter their animals, they realize, <laughs> "Hey, that band was kind of cool." the fuck are you even saying but also so also do, 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 you, do you agree with the rest of what he's saying is like they're a gateway to that like no, to not at all because i mean essentially all. he's trying to say that they're a gateway to the harder scene right or the harder yeah. music but i don't know there's I, a better way of saying that yeah i don't hear that though you you basically say you fit in but you guys have a different sound that's is it uh, and even that is kind of insulting it's like no no, no you guys are a part of this scene there's just, a, uh, if I were doing that interview, I would have thought of a better way to say that. Yeah. Not you're the gateway for fucking new fans to discover bands who are heavier than you. It was almost like he was saying there are bands that are better than you. And thank you for bringing these young, naive, dumb kids into the scene. But he also kind of was like, like you're, you're in a group by yourself. It's like, you don't fit here. You don't also, you also don't fit in like the heavier, heavier stuff. So you're just like in limbo in between the two. They fit in fine everywhere. I that know. guy's a poser. He doesn't know dick about fuck. Yeah. Fuck. God, that guy <laughs> drives me fucking insane. Anyway. Anyway. With the tracks, you're seeing a generational thing between he and Eddie Trunk. But I will tell you, I did find something interesting in doing my research as we were speaking of this. Sebastian Bach wants to fight falling in reverse frontman Ronnie Ratke. Believe me, it will not go well for you, says Sebastian Bach. Are we talking like a, a back alley fight or are we talking like I want to fight him in public? I don't know. Calling me and Eddie Trunk idiots? Now I'm looking forward to meeting you in person. Believe me, it won't go well for you, fuckface. Bach later tweeted, watch what happens when track bands call real musicians idiots. To which Radke responded, at practically every band I know. Bach tweeted, It's always so much fun to show someone what the world was like before the internet existed. Get fucking ready. He also said, Virtual reality is so much fun until you have to deal with actual reality in your face. Radke said, At the same time you have an entire generation that once admired you, 
until your dumbass disrespected all of them. We get it. You don't like bands that use backing tracks, but it's okay for you to walk out to fake audience cheer. The fuck out of here. Bach responded, can't wait to meet you in person. Name the time and place, and I will introduce you to rock and roll in person, man. <laughs> this conversation has gotten heated, and it's also been oversimplified. Wow. because See that generational yes, gap? Laptops uh -huh. are extremely common. Whoa, what happens to that? But for cow. a number of different reasons. The sentiment here seems to Why be do I that, feel like that does not sound laptop, good. you must be lip-syncing on stage and faking your instruments. You might have noticed when a band walks out on stage, there's some sort of music going or special effects. That is coming through a laptop. Some of the biggest rock and metal bands of all time feature members on stage with a laptop. And countless bands that have incorporated hip-hop elements into their music need to run those samples through a laptop. If a band has an orchestra in their music, it's highly unlikely they're going to have the budget to bring an orchestra with them. So they compromise and play those tracks through a laptop. This is obviously a very contentious issue that seems to be between two different generations in rock. The question is, though, what is the solution? <sighs> it's just a generational thing, dude. They're never, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Yeah. I don't think there's a solution. I'll tell you a funny story. So... Maybe like, honestly, probably like seven, seven years ago, eight years ago, right around the time when I met my wife, I went to, uh, went to a wedding or something. I want to say a family member's wedding and, uh, I run into a cousin of mine who, who was a music, he used to be a musician, played out and stuff. And, you know, way back in the day, he's much older than me. You know, coming from the family the size that I have, you have I have way older cousins than I do, like significantly, like same age as my parents. Close. It's kind of crazy. So anyway, he's not that old, but nonetheless. So I run into him and he's like, um, dude, you've been everywhere. Fucking what's going on now? Blah, blah, blah. You know, like catching him up and whatever, having the awkward conversation. And um I was explaining something. I was explaining something along the lines of like uh, one of the previous shows we had played where like our drummers click track stopped working and we called it an audible and we played something else. Blah, 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 blah. And he goes, click track. What are you talking about? And I had to explain to him what a click track was and the fact that we used one live. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you mean to tell me your drummer can't play on time by himself? I was like, no, he can, but this just kind of keeps everything tighter. And he goes, man, back in my day, we didn't have that shit. And I go, I understand that. We sound better. <laughs> <laughs> we, we sound better. Trust me. Uh, I didn't say that. Has, but, there, um, is there, like, ever, yeah. has there ever been a good conversation where somebody says back in my day, like that's how they no. start the conversation. There's never been. It's usually insulting. Yeah. Like you, yeah, yeah. you understand Typically. what progress is called or like what it is, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think with Eddie Trunk and Sebastian Bach, well, Sebastian Bach got involved just kind of, it's kind of silly, but that's kind of the duty. I like Sebastian. I am a Sebastian Bach fan. Um, but I think it's kind of silly that he got involved in general, but he, I mean, I guess his name got brought into it and he's going to take advantage of that. But how with was Eddie Trunk specifically? I, it's, did I miss that? How was his name brought into it? Was it by Trunk? when he was talking about it was by one of them. Yeah. Okay. I can't, I can't 
in that video you just played, it explains it, but okay. it doesn't matter. Okay. But uh, with Trunk specifically, I mean, he's not a musician. So, like, anytime you have a non-musician speaking out on this stuff, regardless of their occupation, whether they're a writer, historian, critic, radio host, TV personality, it's like, hey, stay in your fucking lane. Like, I, you know, but that's not the way it works. And Ronnie Racky should know that. Like, people are going to say what they want to say. So, but Ronnie Racky's not apologetic as far as like hey i'm not gonna shut up like i wonder if any other bands use this whole situation as an example though like for them to look at their own bands like especially bands that use a lot of tracks and be like listen we don't want to be in a situation where we have to cancel shows because of something like this happening so you know at least how like you said you were surprised they didn't have a backup plan you would think at least that video just stated that they had a laptop and a backup laptop but my thing is like but I don't mean backup plan as far. I don't mean backup plan as far as if our laptop gets stolen, we have another laptop for the tracks. I mean, like a backup as far no, as know. if we can't do tracks at all, we still need to be able to play. Yeah, but they can still do tracks, though. That's the thing. Like there are ways around it. Many ways. But if all your stuff, well, I mean, I guess for like saved to. I, I don't know. I don't. I can't talk because I don't really know how tracks work. <laughs> I'm well, not a to musician. Be with you, no, no. I mean, I'm with you. To be honest with you, I haven't necessarily done it to a level like that. Um, like some people we know who have recently switched to it, where everything's run through a central database, if you will. I've never done it like that necessarily. We've had tracks, but they've run through the drummer. And we've relied on him to make sure that they happen correctly. Okay. Um, I don't know. Hmm. It, it was it was funny to see. I think based on the two people who it was, it was funny to see the back and forth. I side with Ronnie Racky. It's like, hey, hey, man, like, as you know, like you said, we've talked about tracks a lot. My only problem is when people start using them for main vocals. Yeah. That's when I have a problem. Yeah. Rock bands. That's when I have a problem. Yeah. But. I, I, I think I agree with that. Like it's you, weird, you, right? Use it, use it as help. Don't use it as everything. Well, it shouldn't even be help. It should be complimentary. Okay. Yeah. That'll work. Now, some people use them for help. For sure. Yeah. But it should be complimentary. It should, it should be. The well, I'll be honest with you, man. I'm about to put out a song tomorrow. Vocally speaking, there are a lot of vocals happening. I'm one guy, <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of what you're hearing or you're gonna hear is complimentary. It's filling the song out. So if I ever play that song live, unless I find five guys who can all sing in unison. In, in perfect pitch and in key, it's likely going to be, there's going to be some tracks happening. Yeah. But they're filler. They're, they're, they're complimentary. They're there to support what the song is, you know? Right. Uh, yeah. It's very interesting to think about, man. When we don't have our laptop, I, I haven't even thought about it logistically speaking either because I've never been there. 
I've never solely relied on that. So it's like, but I understand what they, what they mean when they say, yeah, it's kind of sucks. We don't have this. So we're not going to, I think ultimately too, what it does is they have total control of that. Meaning the sound guy doesn't have control of that central data, central sound database that they have there. So they all kind of loop through one thing. They're all in the same, the same click track. They're all in the same channel, you know, whereas if you give it to a sound guy, you have separate channels to go through. You have to rely on the sound guy to make sure you hear this, you hear that, you know, where if you have it all and do this central thing, there's never a moment where you don't hear anything where you're, you know, where you're lost, if you will. Right. We talked to our boys in inimical about that. Cause I know they just recently started doing that oh really yeah yeah okay i thought we talked to i want to say that we talk, he, maybe the last time we had joel on the show he didn't talk about that maybe he was outside of the show but yeah yeah and that's not something that they say yeah necessarily but right. it's a but most bands do it now just the way it is yeah so i just said it's a new generation of music it's not it's not a new generation of music. It's a new generation of live music. Okay. Because believe me, when I saw Greta Van Fleet, who by all standards are a classic rock band, a revival type band, mm-hmm. nothing was real. Oh, really? That's all I did. Uh, my wife was so mad at me because the entire time I was just like, that's not real. That's not real. <laughs> She's like, well, you just shut up and pay attention. And, like, can you just not? I was where, like, I'm sorry. This is just a way that, like, yeah. Where, where'd the you lead see, singer. Where'd you see him at? The pageant. Okay. And the tickets were not cheap. Fucking insane how expensive it was. I didn't buy them. My father-in-law bought them because he wanted to go see him. He heard him on the radio. He was like, oh, I like that band. Kind of reminds me of Zeppelin. We should go. And we're like, yeah, let's go. And then he told me afterwards what they cost. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> They're like 150 bucks. A piece? Holy crap. Uh, ticket. Jeez. Fuck that. And and so the whole time I'm like, yeah, that's you know, the lead singer was not singing at times. High notes, he was doing this this whole number, bringing the mic way out here and fucking really emoting and it's like, no, you're not doing that. Yeah. You're not hitting that note. Guitar player I want to say was faking guitar solos. Oh jeez. How how hard is that to do? Is that pretty My e- conspiracy. My is, conspiracy. Is that easy That's to all. do? Yeah, just play the solo, but if you fuck up, you fuck up. No one notices. How are they going to know? How are we going to know? So I guess the sound from the tracks just overpowers anything that would be coming out of your guitar? Turn off his fucking guitar, dude. Turn it down. Mute that bitch. Let the track play. <laughs> Let him pantomime. I... I <laughs> I hated it. I hated it. It's one of my least favorite live shows I've ever been to. So they didn't even put on a good show in general either? I did not like it at all. Huh. I did not. I mean, I had a good time because that was a live show. And, but yeah, I didn't like it. Yeah. So whatever. We got to choose a live show to go to so- together soon somewhere. Um, I don't even, I haven't even yeah. looked to see what's coming to town. Yeah, I don't know what's in, coming up. Like soon, but. Well, we need to go to the factory. I yeah, so I want to go to the factory for sure. Let's go to their their website real quick. Okay. 
Yeah, I know. Greta Van Fleet. I, I mean, I was skeptical on that band to start, but yeah, I, I just, uh, you know, it's one of those things too, man, where it's like bands like that, when they're a band of today that sounds the way that like they sound, it's gimmicky to me, dude. It's very specific to one period of, of time and like one sound. Right. And, and believe me, I have no room to talk because when I write a song, my whole intent is like, is it catchy? So whether it sounds like a fucking anything, it doesn't matter to me as long as I'm like, yeah, that's catchy to me. Hopefully everybody else thinks it's catchy. So I'm not, I don't have room to talk in that sense where like, you know, I kind of throw out, like, I don't, I don't have any set idea, but like for them, it's very calculated. Like we, we were tackling like a very specific era of music and we want to sound like a, a very specific thing and it's kind of annoying but i don't know i guess every band does that in a way Who yeah knows? i'm talking out of my ass uh, <laughs> let's see here shows uh, paramore october 11th death cab for cutie ryan adams slander i don't know who that is Mm-mm. piff the magic dragon and Puddles Pity Party. Okay. Who's that? Who's I, that? Is that a band? I don't know. Um, that sounds like a live clown, play or something. Two clown looking guys. Yes is coming to there to uh, the factory. Don't Wasp. I Prevail. Pierce the Veil. Fit for a King. Stand Atlantic. That would be a good show. That's all one show. Dang. Yeah. November 9th. It's a Wednesday. God. Jeez. Remember when you could go on a go to a show on a Wednesday and I was like, yeah, it's fine, whatever. You know, so what but I now got... you're like, God damn it, a weekday? That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I want to get fucked up, but not too fucked up. Dro- uh, Dropkick Murphy's. Louis C.K. Hmm. Ultra Bridge with Eddie Van Halen's son. I'm not going to say that band name. It's the worst band name ever. <laughs> um, that's it. That I Prevail show would be fun. Yeah. I like fit, I like Fit for a King a lot. I'm not 100% sure I know, like off the top of my head, get, give me something that Fit for a King sings. Look up the song Death Grip right now. Death Grip? Yep. They are a Christian band. There it is. That's weird. There it is. The end is Dang. They have a uh, Parkway Drive feel to them a little bit. Cool band. Very cool band. Yeah. And also they have a lot of good a lot of good songs. Where where did the trend come from of bands playing in a field? 
<laughs> that's that's yeah, not a trend. That's <laughs> it's an overdone thing I don't at this g- point. I don't. I guess just because it looks cool, that's why people do it. But. Uh, it was. It's a metalcore thing. Oh, okay. I think. Okay. Yeah. It before that it was the wet, like concrete sort of like. Oh, kind of like what industrialized a like what area. bullet from like what bullet from my Valentine did with uh yeah yeah everything yeah. I hate revolves around me. I mean, I don't remember that video, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was exactly what you're there saying. There are a couple of trends. It's like the field, the wet, like the wet ground and the industrial, like, you know, broken brick and like, and then there's, what's the other one? Well, now the other one's like uh, bright lights behind you. And that's really it. Okay. I'll refer, you know, you, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, so I don't know. Gotcha. Well, let's get out of here let's save let's save the fight talk for the next show okay because i want to see i want to see what develops with the recent news okay and let's just say this let me just we'll end on this when it comes to fighting the story of this weekend should be two things but it's not going to be it's going to be another thing but Sadly, <laughs> sadly, we're in a time where skills, fundamentals, technique, when it comes to boxing, right now, boxing, not MMA yet. We'll see. But when it comes to boxing, those things don't matter. So, you know, two of the stories in, in, in the fighting world this weekend should be, you know, Eubank and Ben being canceled. I don't know if you know what that is, but so Chris Eubank Jr. and Connor Ben were supposed to fight in London. Huge fight. Their dads fought twice in the 90s okay. for titles. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eubank Sr. won both fights. The second fight was like a, one of the best fights of the 1990s. Just a brutal, fucking insane war. So their kids, their sons were going to fight this weekend. Okay. Okay. Uh, Eubank Jr. was going to go down and wait. Uh, fight. They were going to fight at a catchweight of 157. Eubank Sr. came out two days ago and been like, I don't. I I think it's a bad idea that he's fighting. This is how brain damage happens. It's too much weight for him to cut. Fight was still going to go on, and then yesterday, Connor Ben, the other guy, whose dad lost twice, tested positive for clomiphene, so the fight got canceled. They, that's something they test for. I mean, and why? Well, he failed a drug test, and clomiphene showed up. I so, mean, I mean, I mean that's, but clomiphene, a, like clomiphene's a medically, which I mean, I guess it doesn't matter it's, to it's, a lot of it's these. A, it's for women. Well, men take it too. Well, to get testosterone. I mean, it can help with testosterone too, but it, it also it, take it, for it helps men. Um, like men who have issues getting women pregnant, like it helps them too. Testosterone. It's not just testosterone though. It's like well counts all over, like all over the board. Well, well. <laughs> but yes, women take it as well. You're but right. the studies have shown that if you take that, it helps you build lean muscle and so on and so forth. It's a it's a it's a performance enhancing drug. I don't know that I would um, call. I don't know that I call. Well, it it's that against or not, the. It's against the. I get it. Doping. I get associations. It. And it's an, it's, it's a no, no. Yeah. So he tested positive for that and they tried to, they tried to make it work. 
but they couldn't. You know, Eubank was like, yeah, I'll fight him still. I don't give a fuck. I'm still going to beat him, which props to him. But yeah, the, you know, um, I don't remember if it was the, I think it was the doping association or they were like, no, no, no. This is not a precedent we're going to set where a guy can test positive for something like that and still fight. Like, no, fights off. Sorry. So, but now does that he get, should be one of the stories. Does he get suspended? Uh, does he get suspended? Nope. Right now, no. Right now, they're saying no because he took a two tests afterwards and he passed some protocol or whatever. Huh. But the fact of the matter is, is the pre-fight test, the initial one show it showed clomiphene. Gotcha. But he could have been coming off of it and then passed these two tests that you know they just did. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, either way, it sucks, dude. It's just, it's a bummer. Cause that could have been one of the best fights of the year, if not in a long time. Now, who knows? They're not their dads. And I, I had a whole write up ready to go. And then when I saw the fucking, the positive test, I was like, ah, oh, motherfucker. <laughs> if I waited and waited and waited and 2 PM today, they finally said, no, we're calling it. They're not fighting. So that's a stinker. And I actually, I didn't watch their dad's fight live, but I remember seeing it afterwards, like on a replay on like HBO or something, you know, just be like, Jesus Christ. Like in that, in the, you know, I was a little kid uh, being like, God damn, like this is brutal. You know, when you're a little kid and you like, see like a big home run or a slam dunk, like when you're like mesmerized to the point where like, this is not real life. Right. That's what that fight was. For me, anyway. Um, but also, uh, Sebastian Fundora is fighting Oscar Ocampo, which, or I'm sorry, Carlos Ocampo. Not a lot of people know who those guys are, but that should be a huge story, too, because it's for a title. It's at junior middleweight. Sebastian Fundora is 6'6", fights at 157. Oh, my God. How is... How like that's the lankiest guy ever. It's a it's a fucking sight to see, dude. It's a sight like YouTube, YouTube him like highlights. Like I bet his uh wingspan is ridiculous though, isn't it? Uh dude, it like he towers. Towers are no, I'm sorry. He fights at 154. I said 157 (laughs) because my brain was still on the Ben Eubank fight. 154. Um but yeah, no, he towers over people and it just looks silly. So that fight's happening. That should be a huge deal in the boxing world. No, but instead we're talking about a Jake Paul undercard fight. <laughs> you want to say what it is or should we wait? Uh, when is when is this happening? I don't know. I don't even know when the fight is. It's okay. the Jake Paul okay. Silva fight. Whenever okay. that is. October, November. When is it? I I don't know off the top of my head. Let's not say it. Let's just say that bullshit sport. Um, let's see. Guys from other sports shouldn't be boxing unless it's like an MMA, like Anderson Silva. I'm okay with. Correct. But don't come from another league, another sport, a basketball or a football like what? or a baseball. Or whatever, and come over and think you can box somebody just for the money. 
Well, what if you're Nate Robinson and you get knocked out by Jake Paul? You still got the money. That's where this all started. Yep. It's that all fight good. is on October 29th. Okay, so the end of the month. And right now, the fight that you and I are referencing is the co-main. Dang. Oh, by the way, a four-round co-main event. Let's get out of here. We'll talk about <laughs> it later. <laughs> all right, we're out. I was holding on too tight, and I was straight.